Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Working in his father's pencil factory in the Esterbrook Woods of Concord, Henry David Thoreau assumed his late-night coughing fits were the result of days spent inhaling the dust of pencil shavings. But it was tuberculosis, the leading cause of death in the United States in the 20th century. In May of 1862, Thoreau died at the age of 44. He must have known something more than graphite dust was getting to him when his insomnia drove him from the pencil factory to serve as a tutor and his exhaustion persisted, increasing to the point that he found it difficult to read or write. I am a diseased bundle of nerves, Thoreau wrote in his journal, standing between time and eternity like a withered leaf. We almost certainly owe Walden and the two years, two months, and two days sojourn that inspired it to Thoreau's TB. In 1845, he went to the woods to try to rest. In Walden, Thoreau exhorts us to rest. He calls out surprisingly contemporary-sounding causes for concern. Addiction to stimulating substances, sensational news stories and entertainments, the frantic pace of commerce and high-speed telegraphic communications, noise pollution, the pressure to organize work and travel on an exacting schedule. A century and a half before the first smartphone, Thoreau glimpsed a future in which the hand reaches compulsively for an electronic device in the middle of the night. Hardly a man takes a half hour's nap, he wrote, but when he wakes, he holds up his head and asks, what's the news? In 1897, Spanish neuroscientist Santiago Ramón y Cajal argued that the idea that working longer hours would produce more and more better work was a grievous mistake. It created the illusion of profundity and substance, he said, but would lead to asking only shallow, easy questions rather than hard, substantial ones. Two years later, in 1899, American philosopher and psychologist William James wrote an essay entitled, Gospel of Relaxation. If living with an inner panting and expectancy, he wrote, and bringing breathlessness and tension to work would only enable us to do more, then there would be some compensation, some excuse for going on so. But the exact reverse is the case. And in 1941, Quaker Thomas Kelly wrote, our lives grow too complex and overcrowded. Even the necessary obligations which we feel we must meet grow overnight like Jack's beanstalk, and before we know it, we are bowed down with burdens, crushed under committees and commitments, strained, 
breathless and hurried, panting through a never-ending program of appointments. We are too busy to be good partners to our partners, good companions of our children, good friends to our friends, and with no time at all to be friends to the friendless. We're weary, he continues, and we know and regret that our life is slipping away with our having tasted so little of the peace and joy and serenity we are persuaded life should yield to a soul of wide caliber. The times for the silences of the heart seem so few. And in regret, we postpone till next week or next year that deeper life of unshaken composure in the holy presence, the life we sincerely know as our true home. We postpone for this week, this day, this hour. They are much too full. In his book, Rest, Alex Sujung Kim Pang brings this statement right into the present. With a few notable exceptions, he writes, today's leaders treat stress and overwork as a badge of honor and brag about how little they sleep and how few vacation days they take. Our working lives unfold in an environment saturated with unquestioned assumptions about the virtue and inescapable necessity of constant work. Whether or not we embrace the idea that overwork is essential for creativity and productivity, we are all defined by it. It sounds pretty certain that by degrees, this attitude has pervaded since time immemorial. But there were also always those who, in Thoreau's words, marched to a different drummer. People who found time, made time to rest, and went on to do extraordinary things. Many were hard-charging workaholics in their youth, but while their ambitions never flagged, as they matured, they learned to lean back, develop sustainable routines, and to make rest an essential part of their creative lives. They had to learn to rest. Rest is a skill, Alex Pine continues. Everyone basically knows how to do it, but with a little understanding, we can enjoy rest more profoundly and be more refreshed and restored. Deliberate rest helps us recover from the stresses and exhaustion of the day, allows new experiences and lessons to settle in our memory, and gives our subconscious mind space to keep working. It's often in these periods of deliberate rest and apparent leisure, when we're not obviously working or trying to work, that we have some of our best ideas. Reading before sleep primes our brain for creative thinking, and our capacity to memorize is at its best just before rest. And do you know the trick about asking yourself a question before you sleep? When you're lying down to rest or getting ready to sleep, ask yourself a question you've been wrestling with. You can ask it out loud or you can just think it. And then immediately do something to help you forget about the question. Maybe focus on your breathing or read a little bit more. 
the research on this is really interesting. The answer will come. And I would love to hear when this works for you. English novelist Anthony Trollope worked full-time as a post office surveyor, while over 40 years he published 47 novels, 16 volumes of nonfiction, and uncounted articles for periodicals. This astonishing output, more than one book per year, has been directly attributed to the fact that he went out hunting twice a week, regularly entertained friends, lived much in society in London, and always spent at least six weeks a year out of England. And then there's Charles Darwin, who worked for just three 90-minute periods each day, that's four and a half hours each day, spending the rest of his time on leisurely walks, writing letters, and enjoying his family. Yes, this is the same Charles Darwin who wrote On the Origin of Species. Darwin's schedule was included in analysis of the schedules of some of history's most prolific and accomplished scientists, mathematicians, and writers, which concluded that the optimum amount of time to work each day is indeed just four or five hours, or no more than 20 to 25 hours a week. Gertrude Stein said, it takes a lot of time to be a genius. You have to sit around so much doing nothing, really doing nothing. Obviously, rest is countercultural. It's not something that the world gives us. It's never been a gift. It's never been something you should do when you've finished everything else. If you want rest, you have to take it. You have to resist the lure of busyness, make time for rest, take it seriously, and protect it from a world that is intent on stealing it. As we lean in to these long days of summer, I'm going to call you to join me in reflecting on what it would take to craft for ourselves lives that feel more spacious and more sane. I want to be sure to define rest as not just napping or vacationing, lying in a hammock or on the beach. Those are good. Um, they're very good. But the most restorative rest is active. Listening to music, reading for pleasure, gardening, spending time in nature, going for walks, exercising, making time for friends. Essentially, to rest is to make an investment in well-being. When we rest, the unconscious gets to work. And by its very nature, rest will restore our energy and our curiosity and bring us gifts of insight, inspiration, and innovation. Alex Pang concludes, deliberate rest is not a negative space defined by the absence of work or something we hope to get sometime. Deliberate rest helps us recognize and avoid the trap of pointless busyness. A life that takes rest seriously, he says, requires recognizing it's important, claiming our right to rest, and carving out and defending space for it in our daily lives. When rest goes from being something that perches in the leftover hours between work and sleep to being something we claim for ourselves, it becomes invaluable. Blessed spiritual companions, my beloveds.
let us question the unquestioned assumptions about the virtue and inescapable necessity of constant work. May we seek that deeper life of unshaken composure in the holy presence, the life we know as our true home. Ask yourself a question now and rest. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.